Who's excited for the Thanksgiving season? You know, for me, it's become so much more than turkey or food. The, the bottom line is we have so much to be grateful for. And yet, seldom do we take the time to properly give thanks. And so I, I was sitting there this morning. You know, there's, there's the knee-jerk, easy things to say of what I'm thankful for. Um, but every, every day I try and reflect on something different that I'm thankful for. And uh, this morning I was thinking, I, I'm thankful for a healthy marriage. And so grateful that God has blessed me with a, uh, a wonderful woman. And I, I encourage you guys to sit and take time what you're thankful for, what really, what really is tugging on your heart each and every day that you can just say, God, thank you for blessing me with this. Who knows that's important, amen? Yeah. All right. I want you to reach out, smack your neighbor, and say, I'm glad you're here with me today. Watch out because they do smack back. If you could turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2. You know, looking in this scripture today and what we're going to be talking about, my stance on scripture when it comes to particularly the subject today can be pretty divisive when it comes to the flesh. And I know that when I decide to talk about these things, I, I know that it's divisive and I accept that, but I believe the Lord calls us to be obedient to his word and the full scope of his word. Who says amen to that? And that's key because I can say, Lord, I'm obedient to your word, but there's these parts that I don't like. I'm just going to skip right over that and maybe just ignore it the rest of my life. Um, and when we turn to Scripture today, what we're going to find, we're going to find something that many of us don't like to hear, and particularly as Americans, we have a very independent spirit that sets us apart from the rest of the world. Amen? And even though many of us today believe that if you'd go back 25 years, we are less free as a nation, we still, though, if you look at the global perspective, we have millions flocking to the U.S. annually wanting what we have. And I was listening to a podcast this week, and Arnold Schwarzenegger was on there, and he was talking about there's, this, there's still, despite all the struggles that we have and the divisiveness that we have in this country, there is still that international desire to come to the U.S. because there is nowhere else in the world that a foreigner can come and be able to make the achievable dream happen for yourself. And so there are still many desiring to do that. Now, however, that independent spirit that we have often comes with this desire to not submit to authority. Who's with me? Who knows what I'm talking about? And so for who in this room, you were in business for yourself? You work for yourself. And I can almost promise you when you got in business for yourself, you're like, man, I'm doing this so I don't have to answer to anybody. And, and that is the dream for many Americans, isn't it? To be able to get into a position where you don't have to answer to anybody. But those who have been in business for themselves for a while will say, no, there are still people I fall under authority of. There are still people I answer to. 
And, and, and that is a challenge. You know, now, if I think of us as a nation, you know, our Constitution was developed with the intent to never have to submit to tyrannical authority. And we have protections that are built in for the people, by the people. Amen? We have that right. But what about the nations around the world that don't? You know, I begin to spend a lot of time in Cuba and for those who don't know, Cuba's under strict communism, and there their food and gas are rationed. Your power is cycled on and off, and you have to get government approval to even move to a different town. And I remember watching the news in 2021, and the Cuban government during COVID, they shut down everything, and they told people they couldn't even leave their homes for food. And I'm watching the news, and there began to be an uprising, and there was, there, there was thousands of people that started gathering in Havana, and there almost seemed like for a moment their government was going to be overthrown. And I, I, I remember watching the news with a little bit of anticipation and almost hope for them and everything that they had been going through, just thinking that there's a chance. And I gotta tell you, for me as a person, it, it is a struggle to watch people be forced under oppressive regimes and not, not have any recourse for what those governments are doing. And I, I think about what it's like to be a believer in those nations and how are Christians supposed to live under that persecution and oppression? What does the word of God say about it? So let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17. It says, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Let's pray. Lord, um, your word seems to have the ability to just attack what our flesh wants and desires. And God, I pray that we have an openness to your word and an understanding of what you are calling us to do and how you call us to respond. When sometimes we don't always like what's going on or maybe we see what's going on in other nations and think how they should respond, God, I pray that we respond as godly people. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I look over God's word, I, I do see three ways that we do respond to those in authority over us. And, you know, what, what's interesting is I find that every position, whether you work for yourself, you always have someone you answer to. Who knows that? You always have someone you answer to. And so I look over God's word and I, I find these three things that stand out. And the first is that God calls us to submission. And he says, submit for his sake. Now, I fully believe that every, uh, every nation on the face of the earth has God-appointed leaders. And here's the thing that I almost struggle in saying that because there are good leaders and there are bad leaders. 
But I, I, I do think, as I look over Scripture and understand what has been going on in Scripture, I think that we as people get the leaders that we deserve. As I study Scripture, particularly the Old Testament, what I've seen that there are leaders that man has elected, but God establishes. I think about when Israel was crying out for a king, and God, God didn't really want to do that, but they gave them Saul. And King Saul, where he, it started out pretty good. But if you know anything about the reign of Saul, it ended in absolute chaos and disaster. Romans 13.1 says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That's a challenging thought because, you know, I fully believe God's good, and yet I look around the world and I can see leaders that I'm like, and they're bad. In John 19, 11, Jesus told Pontius Pilate, who was an evil governor, that his authority came from God the Father. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, he was an evil ruler, but God gave him a dream. Psalm 125.3, it says, The wicked will not rule the land of the godly, for then the godly might be tempted to do wrong. But then also it says in 1 Samuel 12.14, Now if you fear and worship the Lord and listen to his voice, and if you do not rebel against the Lord's commands, then both you and your king will show that you recognize the Lord as your God. Now I just rattled off several scriptures that help identify that, that God does appoint right? And God does establish kings. He establishes kingdoms. And I know hearing this, you might be asking about the mess of leadership that we can see. And you think, particularly in our nation, aren't we a good people? Don't we deserve like strong leadership. Don't we deserve someone that can steer us in the right direction? And I, I, I hate to say this, but as I reflect on, on things that we permit, things that we allow, things that we turn a blind eye to, we as a nation can be pretty godless. So on the whole, if I, if I say, do, do, do we deserve better? Are we a good people? I'd say no. And, and, and I, I tell you, church, that, that deeply affects me because I can say, well, I alone in and of myself are good people. I could find good people all over on this room, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the scope of us as a nation. And I think about my role and who I am supposed to be in this world that I live in, and I find that God's people have been effectively used both in godless nations and God-honoring nations. Who know that God has called you to be used where you're at, no matter what situation that you're placed in? So I, I, I challenge you not to think about whether or not you personally have the leadership you deserve over you, but... Or, or what do we deserve as a nation, you focus on your role that I am a servant of the living God and how should I respond knowing that? And the first thing I could tell you I learned when I read scripture is we need to serve God through submission to government. 
Peter and the Apostle Paul, they tell us to submit to the government that presides over you. Paul says in Romans 13, 2 through 3, he says, so anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. Now, I, I, I will say, because I, I know that this is drawing out a lot of questions in our mind as we're reading this thing, how do we appropriately respond? But we are going to talk about later not living in fear under oppressive regimes because of your freedom in Christ. But I encourage you to remember the manner in which Christ came and remember Christ's purpose in which he served mankind. Think about it. The expectations of when Jesus came they expected the Messiah to be someone who was going to physically take rule in Jerusalem. He was going to take his throne in Jerusalem, and he was going to reign over the nations. He was going to make physical manifest presence here on the earth and reign over the nations. Jesus wasn't what they were expecting. Mark 10, 45, though, Jesus establishes why he came. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, he comes to the earth as a servant. He was crucified at the hands of the government and its people. And so I, I know what I'm saying for our flesh. It's not comforting in regards to how we live. But our security is not found in the government that rules over us. That's not where we find our security. And so I encourage you, the, the second way to live is to be secure in the will of God. And you do that by not compromising his word and not compromising his message to the people. And so what I find ideal for this life is not in line with, with my government and how the world lives. Yet, I'm expected to obey the laws of the land that I am in. Now what happens, though, when those laws compromise your conviction to the Word of God? Because I know that's immediately where our minds go to. And I want to turn to Daniel chapter 3. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 3, and we're going to look at five verses here. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2, and then 4 through 6. We're going to skip over verse 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, doesn't that sound like an amazing instrument, by the way, the zither? The lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Who reads that and says, nope, don't like that? Verse 6, anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. It's clear 
There was a line drawn in the sand. No choice. Bow down to this false image. Now, if you know the rest of the story, you know that there were three Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that refused because they were convicted that they would not bow down to anything but Almighty God. And here's the key that we can learn in this story. They were respectful to Nebuchadnezzar, but also pointed to God as the only one they would bow down to, and that God they submit to, all of, everyone must submit to his authority. And this is the key in this story. They refused to compromise their position in God. Okay? So it's vital that we, as a church, as we're sitting there wrestling with how do we respond when we see things we don't like, it is vital for us to know the word of God and know what it says as a course for our lives. Amen? That's important. Now, as much as for instance, a nuisance taxes are, right? The word of God doesn't tell you paying your taxes compromises your faith. I'm sorry. But we in the U.S., we know that we have a certain inalienable rights, but what about, for instance, believers that are in Cuba, believers in the Middle East, believers in China, in some places, their faith is one that is mostly hidden unless they are put in a place of compromise. Because they know to be outed as a Christian is death. And so when they're put in that position of compromise, then they have to openly choose. And so to understand the will of God is to understand that might require you die for what you believe. And hearing that, I gotta tell you, we have been raised in a culture that we don't want to accept that for a minute. But the reality is if we point to scripture and point to every, uh, every reference of suffering, particularly in the New Testament, we're almost promised you're gonna suffer for your faith. And so that becomes a part of who I am, but the other part of who I am is not living in fear of that. And we can't live in fear of the future, amen? Because as we reflect on Scripture, the type of people that Peter and the Apostle Paul were talking to in, in both Romans and here in 1 Peter, they knew their lives were on the line for accepting this faith. Consider what Paul is saying in 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Now if we look at that verse through the lens of those who are being persecuted, then the understanding of fear becomes different because you might be mistreated for what you believe. And I'm going to tell you something. When it comes down to what we truly believe in faith, it does not serve the cause of Christ for you to retaliate in violence. Are you hearing me, church? Think about it this way. Jesus could have retaliated, but he didn't. 
in the Garden of Gethsemane, all of a sudden, Judas, Judas has betrayed him, and there are these Roman soldiers that are coming to arrest Jesus. And you don't get this story in every gospel, but you do get it in the book of Matthew. What you find is that Peter doesn't like what is about to take place, and he stands up, and he takes his sword out, and he cuts off a soldier's ear. And then listen to what Jesus says in verse 26. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? So I want to tell you, when it comes to your life and how you are living and how you are walking in faith, God knows you. God has seen the sacrifice that you have made to serve him. He knows the persecution that comes against his people. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 12, 19 and 20. He says, dear friends, Never take revenge. Let, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, listen to this. This is so vital for us as believers. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Now, I'm going to fully admit that sometimes my behavior when someone is mad at me can be a little antagonistic. I think about when I have been driving somewhere, don't even know what I've done, and someone passes me with that lovely middle finger gesture. Now, it doesn't happen very, very much anymore, but when it does happen, my knee-jerk reaction is to smile and wave. Now, it's not always with the best heart, guys. I'm fully admitting that right now. But Jesus says that we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And he is, he is talking about the attitude of our hearts in how we return the gesture they have shown us. Because everything inside of me wants to fight against what they're doing to me. You guys know what I'm talking about? Come on, let's be real in here for a minute, right? For instance, every time I hear someone say that Christians are weak, man, that bothers me. And I would tell them they do not understand the restraint of the flesh. Because if they understood the restraint of the flesh, they would know that everything inside of me wants to punch them. I don't do that. But I find that as long as I am being obedient to the word and the will of God, I can be secure in who I am no matter what comes against me. You hearing me, church? Now what I have learned in this scripture today, that on earth I have to answer to the authorities over my life, but in eternity I have to answer to God for how I lived my life. So to me, there's no question. My strength and my security, it comes from God. So it really doesn't matter where I live. It matters who I live for. 
You know, I travel a lot. And what I have found is I'm, I'm leading a big group of guys here in January. And when we go, they need to obey the laws of the land we are in, not the laws of the land we come from. So it's important to know those, right? Who knows that's significant when you travel? If, if you travel to many parts of the Caribbean, guys, leave your camo at home. It's illegal. They're going to think that you are posing as a military serviceman. Little things like that where you have to understand with where you are at. Listen to Psalm 118, 6 through 9. It says, the Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The bottom line is no matter what, your ultimate conviction needs to be what is in the word of God. Everything else, follow the laws of the land. And if you commit to doing that, you're going to find satisfaction. I believe we find satisfaction because we live as people who are free. And I know that no matter what choices I have to make in the future because I will not compromise my faith, I'm living for the approval of God, not the approval of man. You hear me, church? So can you take comfort in knowing that even if man isn't happy with you, God is? Can you be okay with that? Because when I, I, I want God to look at me, and I want him to be pleased. As long as God is pleased, then nothing else matters. And you have to embrace that, and you have to accept that for your life. Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 22 through 24. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. I'll tell you. My life as a believer, for the longest time, I didn't feel the freedom to not need man's approval. I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to accept me. Any decision I made, I wanted to be universally praised. You know what I found? People are fickle. They're so fickle. And, and the, here I am, a young 27-year-old senior pastor, just thinking, oh, no, everyone's just going to love me. Wow. What people thought of me, the way I was treated, I let it affect my attitude and how I responded to others. It's easy to do, right? Imagine you are going to work every day. I, I, you know, if we, we took a poll, how many of you enjoy every single person you work with? 
I would assume the percentage in this room of people that say, yeah, would be well into the single digits, right? And so we have to think like that, that it really doesn't matter what people think of you as long as you are responding to who God calls you to be. But I find that if I am not being obedient to the word of God, if I'm not being very Christ-like, and I don't represent him well, then I am doing a disservice to him. Okay? But when I'm truly living out a faith in Christ, what it does, it creates a freedom. And it's not a freedom to do whatever you want. That's typically how we look at freedom. I can do whatever I want and I can be happy and there is no penalty or recourse. That's my freedom. No rules, no boundaries. I look at the freedom in Christ gives me a deeper purpose. See, our idea of the word slave sounds pretty gross in our culture. But Paul implores us to be slaves to God. And I ask, what does that mean? But yet they say, we're free. It's strange. But I want you to imagine you're a fish. Okay? Imagine for just a moment you're a fish and you're in the water and you decide, you know what, I hate being confined to this water. I believe there's so much more out there to experience. And so you swim to the deepest part of the lake and you swim up to the surface as fast as you can. You jump out and you get on shore. You guys know what happens after that, right? You start flopping around. You're gasping. You're dying because you weren't designed for land. But if someone were to come along and pick you up and put you back in the water, maybe flick your tail a little bit, you're going to start darting around like lightning back in that water. Because that's the environment you were built for. Okay? When you're restricted to the water, you're free as a fish. All the fish's potential is released. All the things he couldn't possibly do on land, he can now do in water. As people who were created by the living God, if you embrace that he created you for himself, what that means is when you find him, you've found true water for your soul. And you can be in full service to him. What I've found is the more I embrace who God is in my life, the more I find freedom under Christ's reign. The more I find purpose, the more I find hope, the more I find satisfaction, and I'm not looking to the things of this earth that don't satisfy me. You know, some people approach the word of God like the, it's very restrictive. But as I read it, God's word giving us limitations and instruction, it can be freeing because you have this knowledge to operate under knowing his desires for your life. Who, have, who has ever lived in a house or gone to a job where you don't know the expectations for you? 
At first, it might feel freeing, but after a while, you're like, I just want to know what's expected of me. I want to know what I'm supposed to be doing here. And it can get so frustrating. But when I read the Word of God, I find, I find these lists of His expectations and who He can be in my life if I serve Him. And then I can find that I am walking in purpose and hope of eternity, and I am free from every uncontrollable emotion and desire because of what's expected and who God tells me I am. And then I realize I'm free to do everything that God has called me to. And to be everything that he is making me into in Christ Jesus by his spirit. Church, the only way for us to find freedom in our lives is by coming under the rule of Christ. You're never going to find any other kind of satisfaction. You are either slaves to sin or you're slaves to Christ. But you serve something. And I find that circumstances do rule over us. Bodily passions can rule over us. Fear can drive us. But even in the simplest forms of life being good and us being good people without Christ, you might find that maybe you decide you want to help someone, but also you might want the credit for it. Maybe you want to show and express love to someone, but at the same time, you want your needs met. Many people want to sacrifice for the greater good as long as there is a good return on your investment. Those are our natural desires. But when we choose to come under God's spiritual authority, we find liberation of his restrictions. It's not rules that we're expected to follow, but a guide at which to experience true life and life more abundantly. And all of a sudden, I can walk in, these, in this knowledge of his expectations for me. And by submitting to Christ, what I find is that I bless that world that I live in. I bless those who I'm around by submitting to him. And you will find that you provide refuge for those who are lost and lonely. And you can experience that true freedom when you are released from sin. And when you open yourself up to God and submit to his will and follow out in obedience. And then to be honest with you, it doesn't really matter where God plants me and whose authority I fall under. Because ultimately, it's his authority I need to follow. And what truly does wreck us as people is that independent spirit that thinks, I don't need God, I don't need anybody. And what I've found is that when we think that, we're lonely, we're depressed, we're lost hurting but when we say God I need purpose I need hope and you submit to him you realize submission is not a dirty word it's a word that's freeing in this room right now I believe are hurting 
people that are desperate for hope. People that even though you've heard this message before, you, you feel lost, you're struggling. And I'd ask, do, have you fully submitted to God's will for your life? Have you chose to be obedient to him in every aspect of what he asks? Because I think that when you do, you're going to find that life that's more abundant than anything you could ever imagine. What I want you to do is I want you to just bow your heads right now. I want you to focus on the Lord. And I want you to truly reflect on this question. Am I satisfied in life? I think the Holy Spirit's going to help you answer that. Because I'm telling you, if you choose today, if that answer is no, and you choose today to say, God, I've tried it my way. I want to surrender to your will. I think what you're going to find is a path toward satisfaction. A path toward happiness fulfillment, hope. I'm going to just invite the Holy Spirit to minister right now. Father God, I thank you for each and every person in this room and God, your message and your word. And Lord, even though sometimes our flesh hears this and thinks, man, that's got to be wrong. That can't be the way. Lord, your word calls us into question in how we live, and it's not comfortable, but Lord, I know I have a track record of doing it the wrong way. And Lord, if doing the wrong way the same time over and over again is lunacy, maybe I need to change course. Maybe I need to try doing it your way. So, Lord, right now I pray for open hearts and minds. Lord, your word says you can search us and know us. And, God, I believe you can, you know us better than we know ourselves. And so the question today, am I satisfied? Am I happy? Lord, I believe you can help answer. God, if that answer is no, Lord, it's not that I expect you to just make all things clear to those who would answer that. But Lord, that they can see when they surrender their lives over to you. But God, you provide hope. Lord, as we take steps of obedience and, and you show us the way, 
and we make those steps, that God will have fulfillment and we'll find purpose, Father. So Lord, I pray for an openness right now and an admission, Lord, that every time I go before you, God, I usually start out going before you as guilty. But Lord, when I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my life, I walk away as righteous. So Father, right now, minister to those who need you. Minister to those who need to plead the blood of your Son over their lives. Right now, this is a moment between you and God. Where you would just admit, God, I'm not happy. I'm tired of doing it my way. I want to fully embrace doing it your way. Will you just lift up your hand to God right now? Is there anybody? Praise God. What you do is just surrender both hands up to him right now and cry out to him. Father, as we are here admitting, Lord, we've tried our way and it's not working. God, that we can fully come into the knowledge of why you sent your son for us. That he would take our sins on that cross. Lord, that his blood be shed for a sinner like me. And God, because of that work, that I can go before you as cleansed, as righteous, if I just choose to believe and accept and walk in him. So Father God, right now, that as we, we in our flesh, we, we struggle daily. We in our flesh, we make wrong decisions all the time. But God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that you will instill in us hearts that long to just walk in obedience, walk in your will, and desire the things of heaven, not the things of the earth, God. And so, Lord, all the things that come from your throne, your written word, Lord, your spirit, God, the fruits of the Spirit, Father, the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, that we will desire things of the kingdom of heaven 
so that we can be fruitful servants for you here on the earth. Lord, I pray for godly perspectives. God, I pray that we will not let our flesh rule us, that when, when someone offends us or someone, someone sins against us, God, we will have that lens of your word and the way your son lived so that we can respond in a godly manner. Lord, we want to honor you here in this life. Prepare ourselves for what awaits us in eternity. So God, I just pray right now that, Lord, the steps we make when we walk out of this room is that process, Lord, <coughs> of setting emotion aside, following out after you and your word, and setting disciplines in our life to be more like you. Lord, may we honor you in everything you ask us to do. May we be convicted by it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.